0: Hello, everyone, welcome today. We have a special guest named Katie Sherwood, um, formerly known as Amy Hawkins. She's going to give us a rundown of her life within the house of Yahweh uh, religious sect outside of Clyde, Texas. Um, so we're excited to have her on today and I'm glad everyone is showing her support. She's also got a little bit of a surprise at the end of this, so I'm going to hand it over to her and thank you guys for listening.
1: Hello? Hi Katie, how are you doing?
2: Hi Billy, I'm good, how are you? Oh.
1: Basically, we'll just start out with um, just your introductions and how you got into uh, the House of Yahweh. What what made you get into the House of Yahweh?
2: Okay. Um, well, my name is Katie Sherwood now, and I changed it. It used to be Amy Hawkins. Um, I got into the House of Yahweh. I met my husband in Massachusetts. We both live there. And he... Was already in the house of you know, coming to the feast three times a year, and he said, "You know, this is the place. Uh, there, there is no other place on earth like it, and you need to come immediately." So that's the initial introduction that I got.
1: So he he lived in Massachusetts.
2: Yes, that's wh- that's where we met. And y'all were going down
1: there, going
2: three times a year.
1: Gotcha. Okay. They're just the normal routine, the life that you guys started living.
2: Well, um, we could, we actually kept the Feast three times a year from 1998 to 2001. And we just took planes, you know, three times a year, and it was great. I mean, it was fellowship, and, like, you know, it was a really, really great beginning to, like, any – I mean, it felt like home. It was like a community. You couldn't wait to go back. And then in 2001, we actually moved on to the, onto the compound. And um, life – you know, it was pretty normal at first, and then it started to get, you know, uh, complex with more rules. And there was always just more rules coming out and more more things that you couldn't do or you have to do, you know, um, just just crazy stuff that people are like, uh, wow. Like, you know, when it came out that women are unclean when they're on their period, we actually had to wear gloves, like, in 110-degree weather, and we didn't have any AC. And we didn't have any heat for about 14 years and we had to wear long sleeves and gloves and the women had to wear veils like I would say two or three weeks out of the month.
1: So when you say just harsh rules, like did, can you talk about some of those?
2: Sure. Um, like women had to, you know, sit on mats when they clean. unclean. Um, they had to work, it's like a motto over there, you hurry and work. So I used to strap my babies on me. And go to the cafeteria, and I didn't make any, I didn't make any money, at all. And I would lug them along, and they would, you know, sit in the chair beside me reading books and stuff like that. Um, it was just tedious, constant, constant work, constant labor. And, uh, you know, some of the rules that are just uh, difficult to follow was basically you couldn't have, you know, intimacy with your husband for, you know, two weeks out of a month. Uh, every single month and you couldn't then things started to get really really wacko with you you can't buy anything out in the world you can't go to Walmart you can't go shopping anymore you have to stay on the ground and we'll have somebody go do that for you or you have to buy everything from us and when we became part of their co op that they have like they have one on uh TMP lane and then they have one right on the ground but you would only be able to buy food from there, and, like, they they charge, like, $25 for a pack of hot dogs. And also, we used to have, um, during the feast, they would come out with the rule that you have to wear a certain color, and every feast, the color was different. So they would make you buy your whole entire family outfits for that one feast that you'd never actually wear, you know, often again. And and he would get up there, the leader, and would say, um, you know, you don't love Yellies. if you're not wearing purple from head to toe, even your underwear and your belts and your hair clips and your makeup. If it's not purple and you're showing Yowie, you don't really give it to them. Right. So, and, and these people, some people made $40 a week, and they would actually put, be listed on a pledge list because they couldn't afford all these outfits for their kids or, or you know, or their families, and they, 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 the men had to buy suits, which were, like, over $100 a pop. And they only made forty bucks a week. Some of the hardworking men, and they would actually be put on pledge lists, saying that they owe the house you hours this amount, you know, to to pay them back. Right.
1: So, so you said you wasn't making money. Was your husband? I mean, what my
2: was- husband actually worked out in the world, and a lot of men are allowed to work out in the world.
1: Gotcha. So, was the no sex? You said. Or sex for two times a week for women, without the same rule for men.
2: Um, no, they were, they were able to have multiple wives in a state. You know, if one was unclean for two weeks out of the month, they would just go to the, the next one.
1: Right. So, what, how I mean? What made you get out? When did you start realizing, you know, this wasn't the life you wanted to live?
2: Um, basically, uh, they have certain certain uh, programs in, inside the compound where, like, they would label them future priests and priestesses for the children. And my daughter became one, and she was only four at the time. And then they told me I couldn't sit with my daughter at services anymore, and you basically have to sign over. your own. Know, they actually tried to get her to leave my house so that they could 100% 24 hours a day train her. And I wouldn't allow that, but they wouldn't let me sit with her at services or, you know, it was just a complete, you know, separation of the family they wanted to do. And, you know, I couldn't see my son after he turned, like, four because he would be on the men's side, like they have the men and the woman's side. Yeah. And um, so it was, like, kind of just total separation of the family. And then when my daughter turned 12 – they said, well, she's a future priestess, so she's going to be patrolled to some some elder, you know, in the house. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, um, so I was like, no, this is just not happening.
1: So, I mean, how, how do they choose priestesses?
2: Well, basically, I actually was a deaconess in the house. And they said, uh, at, after, I was the first one that actually, the only deaconess that had, a future priestess in the program, but it's basically their conduct, their conduct in public, their conduct, you know, how they be- behave and control themselves Even that, that they choose.
1: At four years old.
2: Yes. Yeah. You know, and they would separate her from her cousins, which I have, you know, nieces and nephews in there. And they would separate her, saying that she can't have any contact with these children because they're not well behaved. And so it's like she had to lose all of her close friends.
1: Right. So you said you had to, going back, you said you had to, did you change your name to Hawkins?
2: Yes, everybody that goes there has to change their name to Hawkins, and it basically means um, a family of priests, um, like in Hebrew. It's like basically Hakahan, the family of priests. But, yeah, everybody changes their name to Hawkins.
1: Uh, Is that like a legal name change or just?
2: Yes, yes, and they say if you don't legally name change, you don't love Yahweh. So you go through the whole
1: state process of changing your name. Yep. Wow. And and so when your kids are born, they're under that name too.
2: Uh yeah. Mhm. Yeah, they were all Hawkins, but they all got the name change as well when we left. Right.
1: <clears throat> so routine for women and children, just from start, and from birth to. 'cause we're trying we're trying to get as much info as we can on on everything that that goes on in there. So
2: right. Um, I guess you know, daily living is basically the mothers stay home or they work at the cafeteria over there or they have a bar house or um there's just different places that women can work.
1: So so they
2: don't make any money unless they have children who uh desire to go to their, their school that they have on the ground.
1: So, we're, so
2: we're like things are on the ground. Um, there is a cafeteria. There is a clothing boutique. Uh, there is a a food store. There is uh, the sanctuary, of course. Uh, there's houses, like not not I wouldn't call them houses, but a lot of mobile homes. That, there are some structures that look like houses. Um, there's sheds. There's a tent area, which is just a a like a a little area for uh, people when they come for the feast they set up tents mm-hmm. and there's a lot of RVs. So I've seen on a documentary I think a and did
1: one time of uh, one of the families out there house his house and it I wouldn't call it a house at all I'd call it more like a shed but so he mm-hmm. had five kids and there's absolutely no room for him, him his wife and five kids so they like they kind of slept in cubby holes. It seemed like so that kind of the majority. That, of that is
2: norm. Yeah, and they actually have a, a place that's not on the compound, but but it's down the road. And there's a lot of mobile homes over there. And I know a lot of families over there who have like five and six kids, and they only have one bedroom. And the mom and dad share a room, like a a, a spot in the house. But then their children had bunk beds like that were connected because the room was so small and that they, they would all sleep in there on, on wooden bunk beds.
1: Wow. So was CPS, or, I mean, did anyone get the like, this is crazy and, and try to bring CPS in?
2: CPS, I, to my knowledge, they didn't really come to the ground and investigate, um, but I know that there were a few families that, that were called, um, you know, to come and investigate them. And they, as I know a few families that live off the ground but on, you know, House property that um, they investigated. And it, it was so funny because this is uh, one of the craziest memories that I have. But this family actually had nothing in their home, absolutely nothing except for bunk beds uh-huh. and a bed in their own room. And other than that, there was nothing in there except for the books. And, you know, it was crazy. So anyway, the, The child ended up breaking her arm, but she broke it three times in one year. So the CPS came to investigate, and actually the House of people brought furniture in, made it look like a home so when they came it would look like they actually lived normal. And then when they were gone and they said, no, everything's fine, uh, they took all the stuff out. So I was like shocked.
1: Wow. So they are just planned the the system so that they – I uh, gotcha.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So I've also heard that a lot of single mothers who are trying to maybe get away from their dad, the the father would go into these mm-hmm. these compounds and uh, basically legally protected to hide their kids. So was there a lot of mothers who did that?
2: Um, you know I not that I know of. I don't know of any that that would do that. But I do. I have heard of, um, you know, children leaving their homes and going there without their parents' knowledge because they wanted to join the gallery. Um But as far like,
1: like young children or or teenagers.
2: Um, like fifteen, fifteen years old.
1: Gotcha. Um. Well, I mean, I guess I'll give you free reign, so those are pretty much my questions. So you can just talk about whatever you wanted to.
2: Uh-huh. Um well, I guess uh you know, the child labor laws are, you know, extensive. Like my son was fourteen and he worked at the slaughterhouse and he worked eighty hours a week. And um he only made seventy dollars a week for that. Eighty hours. and we didn't have meth mhm. And we didn't have any and then he'd still have to tithe off of what he made. So, I mean it's just crazy. We didn't have any medical attention at all and he would actually work at the slaughterhouse and he had a uh an infection in his toe and my husband wouldn't take us to the doctors or, or get help but he would just say, you know, stick essential oils on it and da 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 it'll get better. But it never got better, it just got worse. And he would still go to the slaughterhouse and work. He would come home crying to me, going, "I don't want to go to work." And his dad would actually just be like, "Get your ass up and get into work." And uh, so it was, it was, uh, it was hard, you know. And I, I know a lot of people there that have had, um, they've died in childbirth, um, because they, you know, we're told not to go to the hospital, um, because it's, it's, we're liable to pick up an infection in the hospital. And you know, become unclean from the world of people.
1: So all the all the women gave birth in, inside the compound.
2: Yes, I mean there was. I went to the hospital and gave birth um, to three of mine, but one was actually I gave birth to a 12 pound baby on the grounds, and I had gestational diabetes, and it was never never looked at.
1: Wow, you mentioned that a guy. A guy had died in there.
2: Yeah, um I a man has, actually many many people have died in there. It's uh, it's kinda crazy that the media doesn't give attention to this, but there's been many men that have actually died doing mobile mobile home trail work and the mobile home fell on them and crushed them and killed them. And then there is uh you know, a man he actually hung himself, um, after his wife died. And I guess he had money in the house and everybody his family, his son had stated that they don't know where it went and they think the hostie always went in there and, you know, cleaned out whatever and then you know. But he hung himself.
1: Wow. So were the kids I mean, were the kids on the most part, were they happy or?
2: um I I think so, you know, I asked my daughter, like, cause I It's hard for me to get a perspective from children when I'm I'm just a parent, you know. But my daughter has said to me, she's like, honestly, she goes, I didn't really think anything was wrong until we left and I I heard, you know, that, I mean, this is a cult and, and, you know, it's just crazy living. And she goes, and now when I see, like, how we live now, she's just like, I'm kind of shocked, you know. (laughs) But she goes, as far as, you know, growing up in it, she goes, I didn't really think anything. and, And they were pretty happy.
1: Yeah. Crazy. Are there any offshoots of that? So someone t- uh, messaged me a few days ago about a place called the assembly of Yahushua or something like that. Um, uh, out in riding some okay. hmm
2: Yeah, and there's uh, an assembly of Yahweh and Cisco, but they actually have nothing to oh, do with yeah. this comp you know, this place at all. Uh this this place claims that this is the only place you know, on earth that you can have salvation and all of the other offshoots are not are not connected with him.
1: Gotcha. Uh and then another thing was where I mean, so there's so many stories about the men, you know, having sex with, with young uh teenage girls or, or even younger than mm-hmm. that. So is that
2: Right. Um, I mean, I can't say that I know anybody that's done it, but I know that there have been uh, men with older wives, and then they got a younger wife who was like 16, and they say that, you know, as long as they're married, that everything is, you know, potential or lawful.
1: Right. Well, I guess that's, I mean, really all I had on that. If you had anything else you want to say on on the house of Yahweh, feel free.
2: I guess yeah. Just basically, um, I want to say that the, the worst part of it all is basically um, being mentally brainwashed. Uh, we had to listen to CDs day and night um, of you know the leader or the elders talking constantly, and they would tell us to listen to it twenty four seven even while we sleep. Um, and and that really is what made my mind click one day, and I I just didn't. I wasn't the same person anymore, and I thought, well, that they can do no wrong, and I have to obey and It was just like a mental a mental quick snap that happened in my brain and I don't know if, you know if a lot of other people get this or how many people have gotten it, but um it's like where you just can't do any wrong, you can never leave um and you just it's it's a part of you, it's a part of your soul, it's a part of your spirit, and you just feel totally engulfed in their message and um it, to come out of that is, is, is one of the hardest things that, you know, um, I can possibly explain that anybody would ever have to endure. Right.
1: Wow. Yeah, I've seen Son um, about, about, I guess, in that same documentary, he had tons and tons and tons of CDs and books and stuff that he was happy that yeah, he, he had to listen to. Listen so.
2: Yeah, and we weren't allowed any, you know, worldly material unless it was – um, something related to the news or, and then it, it got to the point where we couldn't even watch the regular news and they would actually edit what they wanted us to see and we would watch it up at the sanctuary because we weren't allowed to watch TV for you know, the whole time that we were there
1: Right So, were, I mean, were you guys able to go
2: out at least like to, to like a park or something with your kids? Yes, yes I was and, um, you know, I mean, we we went to the park for a long time, but then it got to the point where you, well you can't do that anymore and you know, you shouldn't be going out in the world. You don't love the alley if you do that. So we would just go for walks on the ground for the longest time.
1: Gotcha.
0: All right, everyone, we're gonna take a small break right here and I wanna give another shout out to my sponsors over at Anchor. F-m. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. And also, I want to shout out to Chad Carter with the Light. be and Radio Georgetown 106.7. He's doing great stuff out there in Austin. You guys should go look him up. And we're going to get back to Kate, Miss Katie. And this will be the uh,
1: Rick Hour segment. On showers. no I don't know anything about this whole jailers thing.
2: Um, okay, if you want, we can talk about that. I can, I can just tell you a little bit about it. Um, I don't want to mention a lot of people at this time. Okay. But um, okay, and I want to get, uh, I guess, one thing clear. Like a lot of people say, I'm damn mentally crazy, and I want to say you're, you're absolutely right, because after being in the house the and what I went through. Um, I can honestly say that, you know, my mind is just totally not right. Um, I mean,
1: you sound pretty pretty
2: normal to me, so. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and everybody that knows me thinks that I'm, um, fantastic and normal. But, uh, a lot of people that don't, you know, they say certain things that it it just kind of makes you think, well, we are crazy. But, no, I mean, yeah, mentally, as far as what I went through, uh, I would definitely say that uh, there's mental issues there. Right. Um, also, um, I did. I wanted to just point out because I know someone mentioned a comment on on the the, the page. Um, but it basically was, "Oh well, she lost her kids and they're not with her now." Well, first of all, I've never lost my kids. Um, I got full custody, but when I left, I had so many mental issues, and I also couldn't financially support them. So I did give my ex uh, custody when he had left the house the other six months later after I left. Our thing. Um, basically, um, we had <laughs> we had had uh, issues with other deputies in Callahan County, but um, the reason why that the police were ever called in the first place was because I got involved with a man who was actually a former Kahan in the HSI, you know, and I thought, "Well, this is great. You know, we have a lot to talk about." I'm, I'm not in a million years that I meet somebody like this. You know, right? And uh, the whole thing went haywire. And he mentally was still there. And, I mean, a lot of things, you know, in certain areas, mentally I am too, but I'm not, like, I have never gone back there or stepped foot on their property since I left. But he mentally was still there, and he was very controlling. And, you know, he had started to abuse me and stuff uh, physically. And so that the cops were called often, I would say at least once a week. And uh, something happened with a certain deputy, I'm not going to say the name, but um, my husband got really, 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 really mad and distraught, and, um, you know, Rick Jowett came out quite a few times, but I hadn't had contact with Rick Jowett since this happened, and this was over a year ago, mind you. Um, In January of this year, Rick Jowett contacted me on Facebook and he had asked me to meet him to have sex. And I I went along with it, played along with it, I sent him nudes when he asked him. And I, I just thought, wow, you know, the chief of police is doing this. And uh so it was just kind of just one of those things that I, I went along with it because I thought, wow, how far is he gonna take it? So when he asked me to meet him at Butterman's on six oh three, I was like, uh, wow. So I never went and but I was so shocked by the whole ordeal, you know, and I think that my stance on that is just I don't think that, um, you know, the deputies over there or even you know, the chief of police were really doing their jobs. I think that they're just, you know, it's sad because they have families and stuff. So I just thought it was an awkward situation completely.
1: Right. So, I mean, are you able to, what's the case over? Are you able to say anything about that? I am not. Okay. No. Problem. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this whole jailer thing. I just heard his name recently come up all over social media, so I wasn't. Um, I just got back to. Uh...
0: All right. Wow. I want to thank Katie for coming on here with us and sharing all that. I know it had to be frustrating going through that. Um, I want to let I want to let her know. That we all have support for her and her family and, and thank god that you know she's not going through that anymore and i can't wait to have her back on again so thanks everyone for listening with future family focus this is billy strange
1: i'll talk to y'all later